So welcome everybody to the podcast. We've finally got a name, The Wolf of Wall's End. There we go. And the special guest here today is 27 Seconds himself, Mr. Jerry Hill. What's going on? How are you doing today, Jerry? You doing well? Yeah, very good. Good to be out and about visiting the wonderful city of Newcastle upon time. Yeah, good. Good memories. Rugby tour memories. Can't talk about saying. it. Can't talk about it. Yeah, so lovely to have you here in the studio. First person in person to be here. What a setup. It's brilliant, isn't it? It's good. Yeah. Shout out to Lee Durham and, and Richard Lane for walking out on this kit. Right there, we'll get a... <laughs> there we go, I like that. Getting all the value out of it. <laughs> so look, we'll just jump straight into it. Yeah. yeah, I've explained the format to you. It's not too professional. You know, this is just sales banter, mm. if you will. I guess the first question... Or the first few questions, they're a little bit sort of, you know, your typical typical types of questions that you probably get asked in, in this sales podcast or, or, or webinars, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call them, different types of media, different formats. Um, but how did you find yourself in sales? And to frame that question, did you fall into it like the rest of us? Um, I'd say it was about 80-20 fell, 20% deliberate. Um, I think my context was a little bit different. I, I grew up. Uh, my my dad was a professional seller in the 80s and 90s, um, working at sort of IBM and Xerox. Mm-hmm. So I'd kind of been around it a little bit. But when I went off to university, it definitely wasn't what I wanted to pursue. Um, I had this grand vision that I was going to be an investment banker or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, didn't really understand what it meant, but I liked the output of it a lot. And I messed around at uni in a way that most people don't. And you know, missed out on the, the milk ground a little bit. So, who takes a chance on chances? Generally, recruitment companies. <laughs> so I ended up sort of falling into it that way. Um, but actually, when, when I look back on sort of the definitions of selling, you know, investment banking selling, you're selling deals. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Management consulting at McKinsey, you're selling deals. Mm-hmm. So virtually everything that's white collar or professional services today is is some sort of B two B deal origination or manufacturing. So the guys at McKinsey would hate to think of themselves that way, but they sell yeah. time. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it's all 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 good. And I I became obsessed with it. I became obsessed with the psychology, the craft, the mechanisms, the the unhidden signals, the hidden signals. And, mm. You know, just wanted to make it my life after that. Yeah, yeah. You big big fan of the psychology behind it. Yeah, there's a lot to it, isn't it? We were um, in the last podcast, with Darren Hill over at WeWork talking about um, Chris Voss. Yep. The FBI negotiator and the, the sort of psycho analysis behind sales and negotiation and all that good stuff. So yeah, that 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 really does, I guess, ring true. Yeah, it does. I mean, think about the root cause of of what we do today in most selling. It's it's the skillful execution of the right words put together to inform or influence another human being. Um, that's all psychology. So it's all science. Started in NLP. Um, being reframed over time. Now you've got Chris Voss with tactical empathy. Mm. The, the concepts are the same, though. You use power words to create an influence and, and ratchet up tension, and, and that's all it is. Sales, Shakespeare's. Yeah. yeah. Words matter. Mm-hmm. So how did you find yourself at Connect and Sell? And that's not actually something I've ever asked you, so genuinely, yeah. genuinely interested in that. So... I stepped away from being employed for a while and I, I did advisory work 
and fractional sort of head of sales for pre-seed companies, mm-hmm. generally out of my own Rolodex. But I kept bumping into the one problem, which was I just can't drive a conversation flow to collect enough data to determine whether these businesses have got value or scale attached, mm-hmm. which is essentially what you're trying to do at pre, pre-seed. You know? And um, I Googled, how do I get more conversations? It was as simple as that. And you get a whole bunch of stuff back, call centre solutions and all the email orchestration stuff. Yeah. And then I just filled in a contact exchange thing on, on the website, which hasn't changed in the six to seven years that I've known Chris Beale. And then one Saturday afternoon, I had this unknown number on my phone. It was uh, plus one six oh five, so Denver, Colorado, yeah. in the United States of America. And I picked up the phone and it was like this amazing, sort of very smooth, smart, voice suddenly hit me. Oh, hi, Jerry, it's uh, Chris Beale with Connectants. I saw that you wanted to have a conversation around XYZ. I was supposed to be out playing golf that afternoon and I killed my round because the conversation I had with Chris Beale was possibly the most fascinating first call I'd ever had with a human being. And two and a half hours later, he kind of said to me, why don't you do a test drive? And I was like, what's a test drive? And he said, oh, don't worry about what it is, just do it. <laughs> and I became obsessed ever since. So, yeah. you know, there was sort of four or five years of reselling and engaging my customers with Connect and Sell. Then I had a primary use case when I was interim chief revenue officer at Ava. And then as that sort of value creation piece was coming to an end there and my lifestyle was changing, I needed to be employed again because mm-hmm. of marriage and kids scenarios and all this other stuff so i needed more stability uh in order to <laughs> to, to, to deliver that um chris was really proactive about having a conversation with me saying we want to stand up europe are you interested in taking that on? so mm-hmm. yeah here i am and sort of nearly two years into this journey um and it's possibly the most remarkable business i've ever worked yeah. in or around have you had any better phone calls since then big what and deals or is that still is that still the top one the top call you've ever had come in? Um, It's the most amazing, complex conversation I've ever had with a complete stranger. Yeah. Must be how my prospects feel every day. (laughs) 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 That's when they're not asking me to call back later because they're in a a, a team or or a Zoom call. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, I'm in a a team's call at the moment. (laughs) Right. So what do you love then? I know you've answered a lot of those questions, right? And we'll get on to the nitty gritty stuff after this, but what do you love about taking your Connect and Sell solution to market? I feel like I know some of the answers that you'll give. One of them is probably breaking down the maths to people and just dropping the mic and just blowing their head away with efficiency gains, productivity gains, revenue um, gains, I guess. I'm putting ways that's actually the boring it. stuff. Yeah, That's the boring stuff. Yeah. It's actually seeing somebody have this magical moment when the light bulb goes off in uh, above their head where they suddenly realize that actually this is about market dominance mm. it's not about doing something faster or better or cheaper mm-hmm. it's actually a new way to think about how you can go and dominate your market and when you see people suddenly have that breakthrough that's awesome because you know that they've started a quest to not just transact business but to actually go out and achieve something superior in a different way um, and in white space, you know, that's the thing, like, we, we, we're sort of coming back into this belief system that cold calls, conversations matter. Yeah. But for the past eight years, we've been living in this sort of, think about it like this, running like a shed in treacle, 
driving engagement, whatever that means. And there's nothing more engaging than the human voice. Yep. So yep. I think people are starting to see that again. And I, I'm, I'm positive for that. But no, it's, it's the market dominance theory. Mm-hmm. Take your math of sales and figure out a way to make sure it's repeatable. Um, and, and that's it. That's the message. Breath of fresh air. Because, yeah. and look, I, um, I love the tech stack, right? And I, I've got friends, I've got clients, or, you know, at, at sales technology businesses, right? But as I sell a service to sales leaders, Often I come up against a sales technology that promises to be able to do the the, the, the prospecting, the negotiating, the closing, all within this SaaS subscription on a monthly basis, but not really. It's it, it, the, the needs that human touch at the very end and a lot of these, a lot of tools that you see kind of sell the dream of, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll fill your pipeline with an email sequence. You know, what's going to be the, the follow-up yeah. of that email sequence? What's the cadence? So it's breath of fresh air to hear, you know, you've got a sales platform, you've got a sales technology but mm. you've got the human the, the, the human element to it as well which let's be honest will keep us in a job in the next five ten years as ai will continue to to do more yeah but we're not there yet and mm-hmm. you know we're at a tipping point and i think the companies that embrace technology to drive their go to markets will win yeah, in yeah the of medium course. term of course. but there's a lot of point pollution and the sales tech stack starting to feel like the marketing tech stack, which is now over 9,000 companies and growing. Sales tech's probably about 2,000 companies and growing. None of them sort of position themselves beyond efficiency, though. And so the scope of ambition in how they message and drive the value then goes to, well, who who do I like the best and who's going to do the thing for me that I already believe works? Whereas actually, if you need to transform your go-to-market, which most sales leaders have to, right? Let's think about this. Average time and seat for a VP of sales in a high-tech company high growth companies 18 months yeah in and out in and out you got three months three months three months and you're out so how do you how do you manifest change it's it's not doing more of the same right but there aren't many sales technology companies that are that brave to go and tell that story that way so we're a little bit marmite in the market Mm -hmm. some people love us some people hate us some people think we're the best thing ever typically they win off us the people that hate us are the people that hate having conversations yeah And, and that's the tension but that's the best part about my job is, you know, it's kind of like come to Lazarus moments or finding disciples and separating disciples from atheists. You know, I don't spend time persuading people into a belief system. Mm-hmm. I spend time working with people who've proven that they care about conversation flow. And the rest of the market, park it, go over there, do what you yeah. need to do. Can't change the stripes. You can't change the stripes, exactly. Okay. Well, look, you've, you've, you've alluded a little to this next question, right? And again, a bit vanilla, so we'll... we'll, we'll, we'll get a bit more exciting after this right but you go to value builder in what you do what's your go to value builder and again i think you've alluded to that a little but you know when you may have someone you know you've talked to me about that 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 curiosity to interest to trust type you know flow what's your your value builder there to to, to take it to that 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 trust in the art of possible type stage. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's consistency. You know, sales processes are, are built up of multiple types of conversations. There's the initial conversation. There's the discovery conversation. There's the commercial lock pro- proposition conversation. There's the negotiation conversation. I think a lot of businesses today drive their sales processes 
with inconsistency, not consistency. You need something that glues all four of those conversations together across your sales process. So the value driver is pretty simple. You eliminate the fear, frustration, and doubt that comes and accompanies cold calling. Um, ten, typically that's because people don't have enough conversations to become good at it on yeah. one axis. The second axis is that people have a remarkable fear of the phone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you can increase the flow rate, examine why the fear exists, you can transform the fear immediately at a rate that you can't do if you just manually dial the phone today. So that's transformation at work. And when we get to discovery, we actually illuminate insight into how wasteful human resource is Mm -hmm. to do this critical part of the job you know typically we see a scale which suggests right i need to go out and execute on my value creation plan this year what does that mean i need to hire 150 reps good luck executing that plan this year on that hiring cycle (laughs) so how do i get the same amount of production value from my 15 best reps that i've already got in my business Mm -hmm. And how do I determine their value by putting this to a consistent cost centre, not an inconsistent cost centre, which salespeople ultimately are. Mm-hmm. And I know there are going to be people here going, oh, but big teams. Every single salesperson you hire at a certain point of funding and scale becomes less profitable to your business on net fee income per employee. So every net new hire comes with, with, with more cost attached. And you know, that's just a frustration for, for Boards, investors, CEOs, CFOs, and the salespeople themselves. A lot of happy recruiters, though. I don't want to talk about recruiters particularly. <laughs> so there are yeah. many good ones. So here's a, a bit of an impromptu question, right? The scenario for me, I guess I frame it a little bit, is my first sales role was pure shit. But it thrust me in the deep end and got me the fear, got me past the fear of the phone, right? And, I'll be a little bit confident and, and maybe even when I was hitting KPI a little bit arrogant, right? <laughs> you know, putting the okay. putting the putting Swag's, the commissions up on the board. Good. Swag's good. Yeah, throwing up on the board your commissions, yeah. sat meeting, right, fifty quid, oh, boom, tally that up. Two hundred calls a day, two hours talk time. But if you get your two meetings, piss off home. Yeah. Brilliant, right? The morale is excellent. When you were down, people would not have the bags packed at five without being asked. It was kind of like a, a an untold rule that you would hang around, but it wasn't forced, it wasn't regimental, it wasn't like a regime, it was drive and ambition, yeah, yeah. I think, like the right hires, which was good, right, good environment for me. So that's kind of where I've got a lot of my tenacity from and picking up the phone and being in conversation first, mm. right? Prospects probably see 07930211226 coming in to think, right, here we go. Here's the Geordie coming. <laughs> but but have you got a scenario maybe where it's slightly different from your experience where there's someone who has been, whether you want to call it shy, afraid of the phone, uh, not confident in their ability on the phone and, and whether you've empowered them with connect and sell or, 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 or not, they've completely changed the feathers and, and it, 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 you know they've changed their stripes and now they're becoming the best conversation first salesperson they yeah. could and, and actually I like working with introverts more than extroverts because extroverts mm-hmm. have always got an opinion on how to do it well and mm-hmm. they've always got a theory that to, to use the title of this podcast you know Wolf of Wall Street everyone's got this perception that Jordan Belfort is a master Jordan Belfort got more nose than anyone yeah right <laughs> um, so when you start breaking down the function of a cold call what are you trying to do well you've got to solve a problem I'm the problem 
you know, the business problem isn't the problem right now. I'm the problem. So I need to figure that out. So I need to, to create a way to, to create tension and permission so that I can continue the conversation. I then need to move that person from a fear state to a trust state quite quickly. And then I have to earn the right to ask for the business. When you break down the component parts of the anatomy of that cold call, doesn't matter what system you use, by the way, but there's four critical parts to a cold call. It's kind of like coaching football, rugby, tennis. If somebody's going through a crisis of confidence, it's because they're trying to consume the whole skill without mastering the bits. So in rugby coaching, we call it whole part whole. Right? You do the skill, you analyse where it breaks down, you then coach the part, the next part, the next part, and you bring it back together. And you can do that virtually for any skill set in the world mm. with anybody providing they're cognitively capable. So let's think back to the experiment our good friend Kev over at Refracted with his son. He, oh, taught, right, yeah, he yeah. taught his kid how to do cold calls, mm -hmm. had no limiting records. And, and that's the big part of the psychology mm -hmm. that most reps suffer from today is they've got these belief systems that they yeah. learn through the walls of their companies. Common one would be, oh, we can't make calls on Friday afternoon because everyone's at the pub or <laughs> left early. We can't call on Monday. Uh -huh. We can't call here. We can't call on Tuesday. It's Taco Tuesday. Everyone's left early, to quote my good friend Ryan Rezart. So when you have these belief systems, of course you can't do anything. And then if you don't have a skill architecture to drive a system that's repeatable and consistent, then you're never going to get up and do the work. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to miss quota and you're going to blame it on something or somebody, but not take full responsibility for yourself either. So, you know, it's a virtuous circle. But it's stoicism in there with belief systems. That's oh, yeah. where I've heard that. R rivers of shit. Everything's oh, rivers of shit. Make the best of it. The best example of that, and in, in, in you, you use a sporting analogy, I will as well. I've spent the last four or more years kickboxing, trying to perfect the, the twist of my... People are listening to that thing. What the hell's he talking about, <laughs> right? But trying to perfect, perfect my hip flexor, turning over into a kick. Yep. So I'm kicking with my shin horizontal instead of vertical so basically if I kick someone in the elbow if it's going vertically up vertically up I'm going to smash all them nice little bones in my yeah. feet I'm, I'm going to be in a lot of pain or if I can turn it into the shin bone go straight in under the arm jobs are good in yeah. right but I've spent four years with ballerina mobility stretching exercises <laughs> and all this type shit right Fiona, my, my fiance will walk in. I'll be strung up like a gimp <laughs> with, my, with my legs <laughs> up in the air, hanging hanging on this little um, cable pulley system right. that I've got for stretching. Right, but the, the 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 serious analogy is, you can bring in a kid off the street with no limiting beliefs or you know no no idea of how the body mechanics should work, and they'll get it within ten minutes. Yeah. And the next thing you know, a few weeks later, they're doing, you know, jumping butterfly kicks and, and you're stood there trying to master the basics and it's just that that, that yeah, I mean that there's always a critical component where talent's attached yeah right talent's attached I think one of the big issues that we see in society which means that people humans don't lend themselves to being particularly effective sellers are easy to understand right as a kid what are you taught you're taught to be polite mm -hmm. you're taught mm -hmm. not to interrupt you're taught to get along you're taught to learn system and rote you're not taught to think for yourself particularly mm -hmm. So when you suddenly hit the real world and you realise that the skills that actually matter are the ability to challenge, to interrogate, to interrupt, to tell stories, that leaves 98% of the population having to relearn these yeah. new skills that 
ultimately are the skills which drive commercial excellence. So, of course, core reluctance exists. Of course, that sort of plateauing effect exists. And, you know, broadly speaking, like somebody said to me at a dinner party a few weeks ago, if you could be like minister of anything in the government, what would you be? I was a minister of education. Mm -hmm. It's the one thing that you can really change a generation yeah, for the yeah. better against. And so what does that mean? I'd teach people how to use Excel, not maths. I'd teach them how to use Excel. <laughs> I'd teach them how to talk about like PL. I'd teach them how to tell stories. I'd teach them how to ask probing questions. Mm -hmm. I'd teach them how to be curious. Mm -hmm. And I think with those five key elements, the most consistent, successful salespeople of any stripe that I see do those five things better than anyone else. Brilliant. Moving swiftly on. Now, this is a question that you might have to pussyfoot around a little bit because I know that you're, you're quite a man around town when it comes to this stuff, right? <laughs> but top, top, your top few tools of the trade, and I think I know what number one is, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it's inevitable. Uh -huh. it's so you need an operating core. Mm -hmm. I like Salesforce because it's the most interoperable of the cores available. Mm -hmm. um, I use Mixmax. Because I don't do like heavy sequencing where I need to send 500 emails. I, I do all my prospecting emails behind conversations. So that just yeah, yeah. organizes really well for me. Allows me to manage my meetings and my templates and everything really well. And it's cheap. It's like only 60 quid a month. So I can run yeah. that myself. And then for my deal management, I use DealPoint, which is a mutual action plan piece, yeah. which aligns to Salesforce and moves everything around. Yeah. But with my customer driving that as much as me. <laughs> and that's about it. Hardware yeah. is more important to me than software now. Right. I want durable, proper hardware that works. Yeah. Doesn't break. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Shout out to Tom Williams. Love that guy. Over a deal point. No, he sent my my, my seven-month-old son's favourite toy. Mm -hmm. There's a toy that Tom Williams sent me. It's called Tom. He's a good guy. Like. He's an amazing human. He's a good guy. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, I think... Not to give... Not to take it away from you, but I think again for me, I can't remember exactly what I was. I can't I'm sorry, and refract. Yeah, and refract. Yeah, yeah definitely. Can live without it. I, I learned a lot from Richard Smith when yeah. I first joined Durham Lane. Cold call and wise. Just yeah, say for instance, as I do from you, it's 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 you know problem prospecting is the first book that I tell anyone to read when I joined Durham Lane. Perfect. So yours is some money. Basically, is what I'm saying. Right? <laughs> <laughs> You've got at least ten sales off the back of me. Yeah, not to mention the introductions. Yeah. Anyway, right. So yeah, Lusher, Lusher is a key one for me. Yeah. Connecting sellers is, is 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 riding its way to the top of that list. And I, I always have to shout out sales staff. I've had sales staff since the day I joined yeah. a sales role, and it's probably cost businesses I've worked for a fortune, right? But hopefully, it's paid for itself. Yeah. Um. So this is my favorite question, right? And this is kind of the last question. We'll wrap up on this one a little bit lighthearted. Your favorite sales media, right? I'm talking films. I'm talking books. I know you've okay. shouted out a couple of day podcasts. And to set the scene for for my film, Glen Gary, Glen Ross. Yeah, okay. Brilliant film. I like the brutal truth, right? And again, uh, repeat myself on the last podcast. Don't know if that's good etiquette on this or not, but pursuit of happiness. The scene where he gets the list. Of of, of people at the call call yep. and whips his way straight to the yep. top. That's 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 it for me. Yeah. That's, that's the, so the top I, cream of the crop. I'm I'm not going to say obvious ones. Um. So my favourite sales book, which I'm definitely going to put in the hands of my child when he can read because it's mm -hmm. child friendly, is Who Moved My Cheese. It's probably the greatest story about how to manage change, which is the human condition. I mean, it's phenomenal. 
But it's not a sales book, but it applies so wonderfully to the craft and the art of selling. Film, I'm going to blow your mind here. What woman? uh, What woman want? With Mel Gibson. Okay. Because it forces people to radically rethink about a different perspective, Mm -hmm. right? I'd love that superpower for a range of reasons, but. In a professional selling context, everyone's superpower would be to imagine what somebody's actually thinking and be able to react to that. Yeah. So for me, that's the ultimate selling narrative is how far do you go in your customer's shoes? It doesn't matter what you sell. If you can do that, you can win. Yeah. So I love that film for teaching that lesson. Plus advertising is badass. I mean, they're big deals. So Mm -hmm. it's really good. Of the more typical... Yep. Sales films, I just like old school Vin Diesel in Boiler Room. room. You know, just the swagger, the obsession. (laughs) The obsession in that community was amazing. Um, And then, yeah, uh, Glenn Gary's all right. I think it's still got a a relevant story to tell, but I just think it's aged now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's aging a bit. I hope nobody ever remakes it, though. Uh-huh. Um, and then Death of a Salesman by Arthur Miller like it's heavy work it's a play it's hard to read without other people sort of acting it out but it actually shows how shitty a career it can be if you don't work at your craft yeah as well so yeah I mean those would be my top few brilliant brilliant well look okay. good way to, to, to yeah. wrap up on that thank Go you for having me check them out I need to watch that film but women want I can't say I've watched it but maybe it's something like oh it's, a, it's a shitty rom-com with Mel Gibson and Helen Hunt <laughs> and he wakes up one night the next morning after a hangover and he's able to read the thoughts of females and he's like this really misogynistic advertising executive who can pretty much only do like beer and sports commercials okay. that's his niche and Nike come to the agency with this campaign to empower women Right, so Nike clearly funded the film. And Helen Hunt's his like competing executive and they're both trying to win the bid internally. But because he can get in her head, he's producing her ideas faster than she is. But that's not the parable. The parable is get inside your prospect. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm going to check that out. I'll let you know what I think. But again, lovely to have you. Thank you. Brilliant for being up here. Uh, brilliant to have you here in person as Thank well. You. Up in Newcastle. I thought you'd go and check out Time Out, but... You've already been, so there's not much more else to see. Unless you, <laughs> unless you want to <laughs> go to the big market or something tomorrow night and you know, see some pink tubes shutting around. But yeah, good stuff. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks, everyone. Tune in next week or whenever I'm going to do the next one. And have a lovely day. Thank you very much.